Welcome, Seekers of Truth, coming to you from the edge of the known universe, better known as the Granite State, home of Betty and Barney Hill. Through the magic of electronic alchemy, a portal to another dimension has opened. You are about to make a metaphysical connection. This is the Fedora Chronicles Network. This is the Metaphysical Connection, Episode 71, Ghost Studies with Brandon Masulo. I'm your host, Eric Render King Fisk. Walt Schnabel is out this week on special assignment. This time I talk with author of the book, The Ghost Studies by Brandon Masulo. We talk about his new approach to studying the phenomenon of ghostly encounters and how, from his professional background and clinical point of view, this phenomenon is not all in our heads. Brandon Masulo also talks about the branch of science called parapsychology and his future projects in the field. You can follow him on Twitter via his handle, at Haunted Theories, and his webpage, hauntedtheories.com. You can also find links to his book on the Metaphysical Connection homepage by going to metaphysicalpodcast.com to episode 71. A special thank you to New Page Books, newpagebooks.com, where you can find many amazing and well-written books on the realm of the paranormal. Brandon Masulo. Now, is it is it Dr. Brandon Masulo or? No, no, no. Okay. I don't have a PhD. Okay. I was under the impression you did oh. uh, from, from the publicist, so. Oh, really? And, beca- and and here's the thing. Your book is so, it's so knowledgeable and all the topics that you, that you throw in there all together is that I'm surprised that you're not a PhD, but go ahead. <laughs> no, no, I'm not. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I, I try to put that in the, the front, make sure people are aware of that. But yeah, I'm not a PhD. You're a lot like my wife. You you are so knowledgeable and you have so much, I guess, I mean, do, do you have many degrees or? Yeah, I have, a, I have a master's degree in clinical counseling and then I have a master's degree in psychological research methods. Okay. So, so I have two master's degrees. So maybe that equals a PhD. It should. It should. <laughs> it, you know, trade them in. See if, see if you can yes, trade right. up. So... Brandon, because um, this feels it, it feels more relaxed because I don't have to call you doctor every five minutes. Oh God, yeah. So, yeah, anyway, um, let's just start with the beginning. Um, you wrote what I consider to be probably one of the best books to come across in recent memory about the theories of of ghosts, as it were. Um, the name of your book, um, you don't know this, but the audience should. Um, is uh, the ghost studies, and right in the in the beginning of the book, you say, "Listen, I know that you love the paranormal," and I'm paraphrasing, obviously. I I know you love the paranormal because you wouldn't be reading this book. You have a lot of preconceived ideas of of what's going on in the book, or or what's going on in the realm of the paranormal. But I want you to forget everything and let's start fresh. And I'm thinking to myself. Oh wow, we are in for we are in for an incredible ride here. Um, but let's not let's 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 not jump the gun here. Let's talk about you 
and tell us tell us about your background and tell us about your you know your life before you became um, a, an author. Yeah. So you know, uh, the paranormal has always been a big part of my life, uh, probably since I was about 14 years old, uh, and, and that's really when I started getting interested in in the paranormal and specifically parapsychology, which. You know, if you like ghosts and paranormal and ESP and telepathy, you know, and you want to look at it from an academic level, uh, parapsychology is the best place to go. Um, I was over a friend's house, and uh, his house was reportedly haunted. We were, I think, 14 years old, and um, we had a sleepover, so we were playing pool video games the whole nine yards. And then, um, obviously, we went to sleep, and then one of my friends had an experience or where an apparition actually actually walked into the room where we were at. Uh, it was an older lady in, um, uh, I think it was 1940s clothing, uh, and, and she walked around the room and pretty much scared the heck out of him. Um, and, uh, you know, he, he screamed. I don't, I, I don't know if, I don't want to say he screamed because. <laughs> you don't want to say but, that, he, you yeah, don't want to say wanna, that he screamed like a girl, but he may have yeah, screamed like a girl. <laughs> But uh, and then after everything calmed down, the, we had a discussion about you know what are ghosts, what causes ghosts, and then you know I I ran to the library the next day. I picked up every book I could on parapsychology, read through them, um, kept them like they were you know treasures, uh, and then you know I, I was like this is kind of cool. So then I ended up going to um, college for psychology, ended up getting a graduate degree in psychology here in the states. Uh, did some clinical work as a as a therapist, uh, and then I went overseas to Scotland to study at the University of Edinburgh. So I studied psychological research methods over there. Um, but as as some people know here in the states, you you can't really study parapsychology here. They don't have there's no university that really has a program that does that. So you have to go overseas, specifically to the United Kingdom, and, and that's when I started studying over there under Dr. Watt at the Coastler Parapsychology Unit. And my dissertation was on a topic of uh, regarding paranormal. So it was paranormal experiences and environmental sensitivity uh, and sort of the correlation between the two. And I, my research was held at a haunted location in Scotland called Mary King's Close, which has been on a lot of those uh, um, paranormal shows. Uh, and then I, I did all that, um, and I wanted to come back to the States. So I ended up coming back to the States and – you know, I um, went back into the clinical route, so I'm a counselor, uh, and I started doing, you know, um, assessments for a local hospital, and that's when I started noticing similarities with some patients and, or with some ghostly encounters, uh, and then that's when I started writing the book. So I don't have a cool story. I don't have. I wasn't. I didn't grow up in a haunted house. I didn't uh, have an amazing experience when I was younger. Uh, I just really just got curious and picked up books and the next thing i know i'm i'm in edinburgh learning about parapsychology and then then you're on a podcast like this after no, after exactly. writing a great book now one of the things that you sort of address but maybe you don't address um directly but you mentioned this in the preference where it's i mean in the introduction everybody seems to know of a certain area in town that has some sort of supernatural element to it, or it's like you have like a like a haunted house or a haunted block or or part of a neighborhood. Um, and I was thinking, like, wait a minute, now where I grew up, I can I can think of at least one. Mm -hmm. it, have you ever 
wanted to address that specifically? Like, why is that every town seems to have that one scary place? I don't know. That's a great question. I, I never... You notice it, but I don't think anyone really digs too far into it. I think usually you get a bunch of you know kids together and they start telling stories, and then you know it starts off you know where a, you know an older house becomes haunted, and then that's passed down from generation to generation, or high school kid to you know seniors to freshmen in high school, and then so forth and so on, and it just kind of just balloons out of control. Um, so I, I'm not really sure. I mean, it's probably just a mixture of all kinds of things going on. But you, it, it is amazing. Everywhere you go, there is some sort of ghostly uh, haunted house for the neighborhood, some ghostly stories about a certain person that roams a certain street. And it's really fascinating stuff when you think about it. Um, and, and that's kind of when you're growing up, that's sort of your first experience in the sort of ghost hunting or paranormal experiences when you're just hanging out with your buddies and you go, we had a place in, I grew up in Youngstown, Ohio. We had a place called Zombieland. Yes. Which, <laughs> which was, uh, it wasn't really one place. It was um, kind of like a, a half a mile stretch of all kinds of stuff that was going on. But what was amazing is no one really got out of the car. You just sort of drove it. But there was a thing called a troll bridge where if you went underneath it and wrote a person's name, the the trolls would come out uh, and, and grab a person. There was the blood house where a witch used to live and bury kids. And then there was the story of the green man, which was an apparition that haunted the roads, who was supposedly electrocuted while working and died. That's why he glows green. So all this stuff on this half mile of land that all these teenagers would drive up there and and you know, kind of just drive up and down and see if they saw anything. So that that that's that was a cool experience when you're a teenager. I don't I don't know if they still do it. I'm guessing they still do over there in Youngstown. I think that that would be a fascinating thing to research, and mm -hmm. actually go back and 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 research your own zombie land someday. Yeah, you know they they have to start somewhere, right? Um, this this wherever these urban legends or folklore start it has to start somewhere yeah um, so. so i um one of the things that sort of also sort of struck me is is that with all of your other conversations with all these other people uh, about their own experiences they all seem to have a couple of things in common do they do they not yeah yeah there there was a lot of similarities in uh, when people start talking about ghosts and it, it's, it was these similarities that, that kind of got me thinking about my theories and, and sort of moved me towards actually writing this book. Um, you know, so it, it, at my job, so this is in Edinburgh as well, you know, I, I've talked to many people with ghostly encounters. When you when people know you're in parapsychology, they, they definitely come up and talk to you about their ghostly encounters, mm -hmm. which, which I love, you know, and... Um, I love to hear about them. That's for sure. But so with all my experience over there working um, at the university and then uh, in my job here where I was, you know, having encounters with not only patients but staff at a big hospital, you know, I sort of started accumulating all these ghostly encounters. And, you know, what, what I found was that there was a lot of similarities between them. Um, and, and these similarities, um, when you start looking at them together – that's when the actual theories start coming out. So um, when it comes to the similarities, it's, it has a lot to do with um, emotional, um, sort of like psychological aspects 
um, bioenergetic aspects, and then sort of how the environment plays a role as well. So when you when you think about it, uh, it's almost like an equation: um, psychological aspects plus bioenergetic aspects plus um, obtaining information from the environment equals a paranormal experience. That's one of the equations that I use in the book, and it's actually sort of the base for a lot of my other theories in the book too. Um, so. In and of itself, when you start noticing similarities, that's when, you know, as a, as a researcher, you, you want to just pinpoint them as, as best you can. And then that's when I started coming up with these cool theories. I like to think they're cool. I don't know. Um, well, yeah, well, they are, though. <laughs> they are. Now, without spoiling the book, because the, the purpose of having you here, um, besides having a cool guest on the show, is to get people mm-hmm. to run out and buy this book. And here And here's the thing. It's 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 not like gone with the wind. It's not it's not it's not you could if you if you put some effort into it, if if you got on an airplane in New York City and flew to like, let's say, London or you flew to, oh, I I don't know, uh, Hawaii, you could probably finish the book in in that amount of time. It's it's not a long read, but it is fascinating. Um, yeah, I, and I and I think that I think you bring up a great point there. Like the book, I think is 192 pages, but um, you know it, it is. It's it's not it's not just boiled down with research and you know long big words and things like that. It it really takes the reader as through a journey about you know what are past paranormal, what are past theories regarding um, apparitions. What's the current research as far as um, EMFs because. We all know electromagnetic fields, EMF, EMF meters are always linked to ghosts. So I go over energy, <clears throat> electricity, ghostly encounters. Um, then I go into a little bit about, um, you know, my thoughts on it. And then I go, actually, there's a chapter on there about not everything is paranormal. So then there's like what's mainstream's view of the paranormal as well. And, and you know, the, the book is really geared towards those people who are interested in paranormal, but you could pick up the book and not even be interested in it and still get an idea. Um, it, it, when I originally wrote the book, it was probably 400 pages, and it was just condensed with just nothing but, like, research. Yeah. And it was, oh, it was so boring. Um, so I, I really had to take almost like a year and just cut it down, um, reword everything and just make it more accessible to people. And I think that's really, I'm glad you brought that up because I think that really what, what makes the book accessible to a lot of people. Um, and, and it's also on, on audiobook too. So you don't even have to read it. You just pop it in your little, um, iPhone and you can, <laughs> yes, <laughs> you know, it's, um, but is it available on audible yet though? That's yeah. Okay. That it must have been just released because this is this is one of the few books in the past year that I actually sat down and I and I and I read instead of just listening to it like I do oftentimes. One of the things that you you just brought up is um, something that my dad got me into. Whereas we brought a microphone with us on Halloween night. Maybe this is a bad idea. If you've ever watched scary movies, this is a bad idea. But and he introduced me to. That that phenomenon, we're trying to capture ghost voices on audio cassettes. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, I mean, what do you think of that phenomenon of trying to, it's not EMF, it's it's called, and the name escapes me right now. 
Um, uh, EVP. EVP. What are you? Yeah. What are your thoughts on EVP? Gosh, you know, I, I it's it literally changes like <laughs> every six months. I, I don't know. I you know sometimes with the EVPs, they're they're very convincing and and you, they almost pull you in. Um, but then there's that other aspect where you know people can misinterpret what's going on. There could be noises that they don't know. But I I really uh, with a lot of the ghostly encounters that that I've had or that even are in the book, there's a lot of people out there that you know for some reason. Um, we have these sometimes devices that could maybe pick up things that are in the environment, which we can't really pick up. And I think that's pretty cool. Um, the research on whether uh, on EVPs is sort of scattered and I don't know enough about it to really speak intelligently on it. But I, I think that some of these EVPs that people catch are probably a hundred percent legitimate. Um, there's a story in here. Uh, that uh, I'll tell you real quick that has to do with sort of like recording something in the environment. Um, and and it, it has to do with, I don't know if you remember the 90s with Home Alone. They had that, um, the talk boy. Remember, uh, he would talk into it and he would... Make scary would, voices. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, but I'll tell you the story about, about that because I think goes... The, the fascinating part is actually just talking about ghostly encounters and then trying to figure out, hey, what's going on in these things? Um, so I'll give you a story that has to do a little bit with EVPs. Um, th- this was about Tara and Jen, who were teenagers growing up in the 90s. Um, so like most teenagers, they, they, they would spend nights over their houses and record themselves singing the top you know, pop songs of the day. Yeah. And, and, and they used the popular recording device in the 90s called the Talkboy, which essentially is a handheld cassette player with a microphone. So it allows you for instant playback. So they would often record themselves singing and then be able to play it back and, and hear how they sounded, like instantaneously right there. So one evening, Tara and Jen were in the middle of singing one of their favorite songs and the, the radio went dead. Um, they were confused because the rest of the lights in the house were actually kind of working pretty good. Uh, and moments after the radio had gone silent, Tara witnessed um, a white mist in her doorway. She screamed and immediately ran to, to Jen. So both girls reported seeing this mist as it moved from the doorway to yeah. Tara's closet and then back out the doorway. So they immediately ran out of the room, spent the night over Jen's, and then the next day, Tara came back to her house and realized she never turned the talk boy off. Oh, no. Or, yeah, that's right. And 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 after they witnessed, uh, it was recording after they witnessed the ghost and when it came in. So she actually played the tape back, and and right at the moment when the ghostly mist had appeared, the tape became extremely distorted, and a man's voice was heard saying, "I forgot my coat." The Holy rest of the tape cow! Recorded. So he, so there's a mist in the doorway that goes to the closet, and then back out the doorway. The EMF and the tape go. Uh, bananas, and then there's this recording of some guy saying, "I forgot my coat." Isn't that kind of weird and cool at the same time? Uh, that's that's sort of like how, how come I didn't have you here on the show for Halloween? <laughs> <I mean. laughs> well, so I mean, it all fits though. I mean, this guy needed his coat, and he was somewhat of like you know, like a resident, uh, residual sort of environmental. Uh, imprint uh, that's kind of sort of in the environment. He was just going about his na- daily routine, and somehow 
it got all caught on this this cassette tape and witnessed by two people. So that's that's really what fascinates me the most about these encounters. It's these spontaneous one-time yeah. paranormal phenomenon that happen to people who aren't expecting it or looking for it. You know, Tara and Jen aren't sitting by a Ouija board asking to talk to dead people that lived in the house. Is Captain They're Howdy sick. there? What was that? Is Captain Howdy there? <laughs> They're just kind of hanging out, probably singing... I don't know what what was popular in the nineties, the new kids. Oh, it could be, it could have been Millie Vanilli. It could be new kids. Yeah. It could, I'm yeah. not, I'm not the, I had a, a couple of instances, whereas it does make me wonder is, is there, was there something in the water in the time or am I just crazy? And that's not out of the realm of the possibility <laughs> because the thing I, and I was not expecting, I was not looking for this incident but um when i was in college the first time back in 1992 or 93 it was delivering flowers in upstate new york and when i say upstate new york i should be saying on the canadian border and i was one one um winter's night i was lost and i pulled over to it's it was one of those it was once a country store but it had turned over to um uh uh, what's uh, the, an antique store and I went inside and um, I was walking around this woman had had uh, older woman had asked me it was I okay I, I seem to have been lost and I said uh, yeah as a matter of fact I um, I'm trying to deliver these flowers it's 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 around Christmas it's Christmas time and you know I wanted to get back home because I also had um, t- um, I was exhausted because I had all these classes that I took earlier that day and um the 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 woman had said oh what you want to do is you want to go down uh back down the road that you came take a left and then another left and and you should be fine you should be getting out of here just fine i said thank you very much it says if there's anything else i can help you with please let me know and well thank you very much and um so and I was walking around the store because they also had some like cool things and it's a perfect time to Christmas shop and, and stuff like that. And um, this guy came in from the other side of the house had said had said, can I help you? And I says, oh, no, I just I just spoke to somebody who who um, gave me directions on ha- out of here. And he says, what are you talking about? I'm the only one who's here. And I said, well, there's an older woman here. And he said, yeah, people have said stuff like people have said weird stuff like that. But no, trust me, there's nobody here. And I was kind of like a little these people are screwing with me. (laughs) So and I and I left. And as soon as I got into the car, I heard the woman laugh as if she was sitting in the back seat. Oh, wow. And the strangest thing is, is that as hard as I tried, um, Come spring break, a couple of months later, I couldn't find any antique store store again. Um, and I've, what do, what would you say about it from your professional opinion? What would you say about an experience like that? <sighs> That's a tough one because it sounds like it's um, I mean it's it's they would call that an intelligent haunting. In other words, you communicated it wasn't just like a an imprint or a residual type thing where it just went about its normal routine she actually interacted with you gave you directions um and uh, so there's some sort of interaction or communication there consciousness if you want to say that um those those are the most challenging to explain you know i i when i look at 
when I look at ghostly encounters and, and, and if you look at all of them together, you know, I, 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 and in the book, I'm pretty clear about this. I would never say ghosts don't exist. Right. Uh, you know, I, I would say if we're looking at percentages of, let's say authentic paranormal or ghostly encounters, I think maybe 20 to 30% could be sort of survival after death or earthbound spirit type situations. But maybe the other 70% have to do with more um, telepathy, more have to do with, um, you know, the environment, more have to do with consciousness, uh, entanglement, those types of things. Uh, so I think that it's that 70% that I'm the focus on. But it sounds like the case that you're talking about could fall into that 20 to 30% of an actual sort of earthbound spirit or, or uh, something like that. Because those are tough to explain. Yeah. Uh, you know, I often think, you know, and I, I, there's a, I'm sure you've heard of Michael Persinger. He's, he's pretty popular. Uh, he, he's the guy that did the God helmet. Um, he has, he's a neuropsychologist uh, in Canada and uh, he, he had actually, one of the YouTube videos he has called No More Secrets, he kind of goes over this idea that the Earth's atmosphere has sort of enough energy and space to um, hold or maintain every every thought of every human that's ever lived. So that means that you know Abraham Lincoln's thoughts and Albert Einstein's thoughts are sort of just uh, in the environment, and that um, and in certain situations and certain special people can sometimes resonate or get at those thoughts right so that's an kind of a this idea of you know something in the environment that we sort of link into and can have some sort of intelligent or conscious interaction with so maybe that falls into that part of it um but i I, when you talk to people who believe in the paranormal uh it seems to be like you know everything's a ghost or it's not a ghost so it's, it's either survival after death or it's nothing. But I think that there's a huge part of the ghostly encounters out there that are don't have to do necessarily with these survival after death. And that's the parts that I'm the most interested in. And actually in parapsychological literature, these spontaneous cases that I talk about where people aren't expecting it, it happens once, uh, those are far more – they happen far more often than – um, like haunted houses and sure. reports like ghosts. Yeah. I think that one of the things that sort of has thrown me off, especially since starting doing the Metaphysical Connection podcast, is that paranormal um, events or experiences fall under three categories. Somebody's making it up because they think it's a cool idea. It's a cool story. And they want, they, they want, they somehow they want to be a part of it in some way, shape or form. Mm -hmm. And then there are the other people who they've experienced something really unusual and they, they want a rational explanation of it and they'll accept any rational explanation because I mean, it's scary to think that like an apparition walked through your, your, your door and even if you wanted to stop it, you could. Or you've had these experiences where I'm willing to accept the fact that maybe I was just so exhausted um, that night that I had that ghostly encounter that something happened that it happened and my brain maybe wasn't interpreting it right, maybe. There could be that. Mm -hmm. And then there are those honest-to-goodness sort of like 
this thing really happened. Like I, 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 like somebody really went to Gettysburg and they really saw the ghost of, uh, of a soldier and it, they can't explain it. And yeah, that re- that honestly, really honestly happened. And there's no way to write off the fact that other than the fact that it's just something that you're just going to have to put on the shelf. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that it, I think I, I like, I like your three categories there. Um, and I think that when you, when you want to sort of, I guess you could say study the paranormal, I think it's pretty important to, to when it comes to people telling you their ghostly encounters. Before I was kind of a skeptic for a little while, right. and when people would talk, I would sort of go through my head. I would debunk their claims. I would find flaws in their their thoughts. I'd say, well, it's probably most likely this or that or that. So I wasn't really listening to what people were saying. I was already just sort of trying to prove how they were wrong. This is a person's experience. This is kind of what they have. Um, there, when you stop and when you listen and when you pay attention and when you accept it for just an experience, that's when you start, um, I think, progressing, being more open-minded and, and, and kind of going in those directions. Mm-hmm. You know, with when you talk about those three categories, I I would agree that there's 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 definitely people who have experiences and believe 100% this is what happened and you're not going to convince them otherwise. Um, uh, and then there's people who just want to find some sort of rational explanation for it. Uh, but if you can't, if you keep consistently look for a rational explanation and you can't find it, what happens to those people? What do you think? Well, for me, because I, I joined a, and I hate using the phrase ghost hunters, but yeah. that's the, that's what has has occurred. I went on a couple of experiences with um, local ghost hunters, whereas things happened um, that you just could not explain, and they were caught on camera. Um, one thing, and I didn't realize this, and I wish I had known this, but they used me as a canary in the coal mine because I knew nothing about the history of of this abandoned graveyard. Is that it had a history of experiences um while the while the gang and i the scooby gang and i as it were were (laughs) were off to one side talking somebody had turned my camera around 180 degrees from the direction where i was pointing and well how could it have been anybody else And, and by the way i tightened this down pretty tightly so something like this could not happen and something something moved it something turned it 90 degrees and the guy that i was that i was partnered with ken he had actually taken a picture of my camera and it was in one of the shots that he took and he had said yeah um wait a minute i just took a picture of that and he showed me how it was pointed in the other direction and then there was a couple like an hour or so later there was some move there was a sound coming from somebody's trunk and we were kind of like trying to fit like somebody was like sitting on the trunk and bouncing up and down on it. When he took a picture of it, it ha- it was illuminated with with a mist or a fog, as it were, and it was bright orange. And, and the camera caught it, but our human eyes did not catch it. And and there was these just these little series of of things that had happened that night. And I wish that you could find. I, I wish you could explain it away as as well 
apparently maybe you you forgot you turned your camera or maybe you know there was i'd like an, a, a scientific explanation uh, what was make what was making the the, the 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 trunk make all that noise the bouncing up and down like somebody was sitting on the trunk and, and using their body weight to make it bounce up and down what caused the light inside and the thing is this wasn't just one person this, there were three of us there at the time who experienced these these phenomenons yep now so, go ahead I was gonna say so you know it's it's you, you get to that point you have an amazing experience like that which to me is I mean, I would classify that as life-changing in a way, um, you, you know, and you can't find a reason or an explanation for it. W what happens next? Like, what do you do? Do you just say, oh, well, that's that's a ghost and I'm just going to go about my life or that's a poltergeist or whatever you yeah. want to say and just go about your life? Is that kind of the next step? What do you think? <laughs> well, the ending of this of this story, this this ghostly encounter is that it because it it got dark and i know that when you're out dark without a flashlight and this is with all the experiences because my father was heavily in, involved in rails to trails during the 80s and 90s when you don't when you're walking around out in the woods without a flashlight that's when all the accidents happen and i said okay it's it's way after dark i'm going home um so i was driving home and there there had been an accident where at an in, at a T junction, somebody who was driving a truck, his his lights simply turned off as he was going straight, and while somebody was going left, plowed into him. Now the question remains: Is that just a coincidence that his, his there was a short um there was a there was a short in his in his lighting system, or? Was I being was I being waved off by the ghosts, and somehow they did they made his lights go off, and I witnessed this accident happen just in, just in front of me as it happened. There's that there's that element too, and and at some point there are these instances with a lot of other people who have had experiences. These experiences seem to like happen in clusters, and then nothing will happen for a while again. That's uh, this is what's fascinating about because you can just there's so many ways to go about trying to explain them and you know it's like it could be this it could be that and then it could and you never really come up with an, a, a great great answer to it yeah and, and that just drives you to look more for answers for it and you just get caught in this sort of like rabbit hole in a way um, and and I think that you know we we talk a lot about these ghostly encounters and there's a lot of books out there about ghostly encounters but i think that you know it, while they're cool and fun to talk about i think the next step for a lot of people is just sort of figuring out you know what's going on you know yeah and that's to me that's the most important part and the most exciting part like you were talking about with your experiences you know, I'm sure you've read up about this and trying oh, to yeah. figure out. Yeah, you know, and and that's the great part about the paranormal is trying to get some answers to some great experiences, life changing experiences that people have, and and I think that you know I'm 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 pretty open to say that before when I was a skeptic, it was just like well, just you know I have a degree, you don't, so I know what I'm talking about. Blah 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 blah. Na 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 poo poo. Right. But you know that that doesn't get anything solved either. 
that just sort of uh, minimizes a person's experience. So, you know, that's why I love hearing these stories. And, you know, I don't have all the answers for everything. I'm, I'll be the first to say that. Um, but what I do what I what I do think about some ghostly encounters, I think I do have some good thoughts on it, and, and that's for anyone who gets into it and whoever anyone who's excited about this field. I think that's the most important thing, because um, I've I, the, the stories you've told, and then that's a couple of things I've never heard before, and I've heard you know I don't know hundreds of ghost stories at this point. So I just learned some new things tonight, and that's now I'm going to start looking up different stuff tonight. So, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Well, just give, give me a, you don't have to dedicate the book to me. Just give me an honorable <laughs> mention, you know. Um, but I think that there's um, there's more than a handful of us out there. Um, and because of all these experiences, and, the, and that's one of the reasons why Walter Schnabel and I wanted to do a podcast like this is because on the one hand, um, Walt and I used to have these great long conversations because he worked at, at the at the school and I used to see him twice a day when I dropped my son off and when I picked him up. He and I used to have these great conversations and it was just like, damn, I really wish somebody had recorded that because that would have been a great conversation. And when he retired, that's where we're here. But the, the other real big reason is that I'd, I'd like to, an explanation I'd like to know how is it if they are ghosts and and here's a question that I wonder if a lot of people ask you and have you ever gotten an answer um, for this? Why me? I do have a, a bit of an answer for that. And you know, it, it's, it, it goes back to the research that I did when I was in the university of Edinburgh. And, and, and I think that there is a certain part of the population that's, um, significantly more likely to have ghostly encounters and paranormal experiences. Now, this isn't across the board, but these people who um, I would categorize as environmentally sensitive, um, and when I say environmentally sensitive, I'm not talking like psychic sensitivity, like, um, you know, people who claim to communicate with the deceased. I'm simply talking about people who are generally affected by the environment to a higher degree than the normal population, right? So, as you know, everyone's perception of the world is different. How we react to things in the environment is different. You see things different than I do. Um, certain individuals are, more than others, are just very, very sensitive to the environment. Some have extremely high sense of taste, so they taste foods that they're called super tasters. Um, some people see, uh, for example, if I go into Sherwin-Williams with my wife, uh, and we're picking out paint, I, she can see all the different shades of white and I really see white. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So these, these people who are really sensitive to the environment, um, they tend to have fibromyalgia, migraines, uh, severe allergies, um, everything that's going on around them. They're able to notice these very slight differences or changes in the physical environment. So they're, they're more predisposed to certain illnesses like um, chemical sensitivities and those types of things that the general population just doesn't really tolerate or doesn't, doesn't really even affect them. Um, so chronic pain, fatigue, migraines, all that. But what, what's interesting about and people who are very, very sensitive to environmental stimuli is th that of those who are environmentally sensitive, 70% have had paranormal experiences. That's a, that's a huge number if that's you take a category. That's pretty huge. Yeah. 
so you, you have to ask, well, why are these people having more experiences than everyone else? And and I think that you know they're because they're more sensitive to the environment and they're more in tune with the environment. If if the paranormal is sort of has to do with the atmosphere and you know um, holding on to um, whether it's electromagnetic fields or traces or something like that, those people who are really really sensitive probably have a higher likelihood of picking these things up than people who aren't sensitive. And what I found when I did my research at the University of Edinburgh at the Mary King's Close was I, I took these participants. So they would come in. So Mary King's Close is like a haunted location. They would come in. They would fill out a survey. What the survey would do is it was categorize them as environmentally sensitive or not. Then they would go tour the haunted location. And as they're touring the haunted location, they check off if they've had any sort of experiences like you know, sense of a presence, visual apparitions, tactile phenomenon, like someone tugging at their leg or something like that. Basically haunt type phenomenon. Mm -hmm. And what I found was those people who were environmentally sensitive had twice as many ghostly encounters as the people who were the general population. Uh, and they also had significantly more past paranormal experiences than the general population. So all this this research really comes together to say that this general part of the population has more experiences and you know i go over this a little bit in the book but also in my research paper about why i think that is and it has a little bit to do with sort of you know genetics and neurobiological things and uh, uh all this fun stuff that really goes into it but i think that there are people who are more prone to it that doesn't mean that because i'm not sensitive at all environmentally sensitive that doesn't mean i can't have an experience I just think that it's probably more likely to happen to somebody who is like that. Do you feel like you're missing something? You're writing about all these other people's experiences, but now are, are you to say that you've never had an experience? And, it, and uh, is that one of the reasons why you do your research is because you're trying to figure out how come you haven't had these experiences yet? Um, no, I, I don't think that's it. I, I just think I really just have a curiosity for it. Um, you know, there's there's people who devote their lives to researching schizophrenia who don't have schizophrenia. Sure. Uh, you know, so uh, you know that it's this idea that it, this is a topic that fascinates me, and this is something that I enjoy reading about. Uh, you know, I'll I, I'll read an article on a Saturday night, and you know what I'm saying. I enjoy it and, and that type of thing. So that's what really brings me to it. You know, I've had some experiences which I can't explain. They're not as cool as your stories, but I've had some right. experiences that I can't really explain. Uh, and it, but I've never really witnessed something like life-altering or life-changing, like a visual apparition um, or a significant auditory phenomenon, or you know something really that just blew my mind away. Um, I've had you know equipment go bananas around me and a sense of a presence and change in atmosphere type things, but nothing. Uh, intense, um, and I, I when I say I, I would love to have an experience like that, I always get uh, emails and stuff saying don't ask for that because something bad's going to happen to Ex you. Oh, exactly, uh, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> you know. So, but I'm open to the experience. I think is a good way to say it. Um, you know, I, I go out to. The, I had a paranormal team invest help um, invite me to investigate a, a, a place in Ohio a couple weeks ago. And I went out with them and I did all the equipment and I sat around and it was a great time. 
but I didn't have nothing really happen cool to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I'm open to it. I like it, but, um, I, that's not, if I never have an experience, it's not going to keep me from continuing to research it. Yeah. Guys, I, I think that you and I are coming at it from, uh, we're heading towards the same direction. We're heading to the same location, but from different directions. Um, because the thing is, is that it's sort of, it's, it's like, it's a horrible secret in some ways. Whereas I'd love to be able to share my ghostly experiences with everybody that I see at work at, at, at the second job that I have. I would love to be able to, you know, when we're all hanging around having a cup of coffee, I would love to be able to just ask, Hey, has anybody had any any experiences with the paranormal like ghosts, but everybody knows that I do a podcast about that topic. So for me, it's different, but a lot of people have to keep that a secret. You don't want to tell people at work. I see, I see dead people on a, on occasion. Um, yeah. cause that comes up with a lot of jokes like, Oh, who are you going to call? Or do you, <laughs> do you ever see Bruce Willis? Has Bruce Willis ever appeared? <laughs> you know, and, and it opens it up and then all of a sudden, a door is shut because they look at you differently. They look at you like, Oh, you're, you're weird. You see things that aren't there. Did you, have you ever discussed that, that stigmatism that people have in, in any of their encounters? Yeah, I, it comes up. Um, it comes up from time to time, and, and I think, uh, I mean, you, you put it in, in an eloquent way there. It's it's this idea that um, if I say this, that I'm labeled a certain way, and then uh, I'm known as the ghost guy or the ghost girl or whatever the situation is. Um, but it's it's like anything else. Like, you know, with, with mental health, there's a stigma associated with depression. Some people think, you know, it's not a medical disorder. It's a sign of weakness or something like that. But that's a stigma and that's not true. Everyone gets depressed. Uh, everyone gets depressed. Uh, every single person has felt sad or depressed at one point. Um, so the, when it comes to the, to the stigma associated with paranormal, I, I think in the workplace, it's probably always going to be there. But I have noticed a lot that more people are open about talking about their ghostly encounters than they were, you know, 15, 20 years ago, um, just because of it's more in the social, it's more, I mean, with social media, uh, with, um, the, the television shows, it's becoming more mainstream. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I think that's actually a good thing. Um, so I, I know I've, I've always had in my line of work, I will have colleagues come up to me and tell me ghost stories. Um, cause they, they feel like I, I don't know why people, I, <laughs> but they always come up to me and tell me ghost stories. And, um, you, you know, I think that they wouldn't do that if, if it wasn't me from with parapsychology as a background, I, I think they would keep it to themselves if, if they didn't feel comfortable in that yeah, situation. Yeah. And that's perfectly fine. Um, but I mean, I've talked to, to physicians, I've talked to nurses, I've talked to physicians, assistants, you know, lawyers, all these people. And, and, they all have some sort of ghostly encounter or they talk about their wife or husband's ghostly encounter and um, haunted house they grew up in. So I feel like everyone sort of is, you know, six degrees away from sort of a ghostly encounter, if you want to think of it like that. Um, so hopefully the stigma keeps going down and down and down, but you never know. 
But that also leads us to something else. Like what what happens when actually like it's become normalized. Whereas like we just accept the fact that seeing ghosts is just a part of life or seeing apparitions or having paranormal experiences is just a part of life that we just accept. Um, mm-hmm. I always wonder it's, it's like, will it, will it lose its specialness? Is there a possibility of that? I don't know. I, I, I don't know how to answer that question. I, I think it, if it becomes so mundane that it's an everyday thing, like, you know, um, going to work, um, then I think it probably will lose some of your spe- the specialness. Yeah. Um, I, I just don't see it ever getting to that point. I mean, how long, I, as long as humans have been around, there's been ghostly encounters. Um, and it doesn't seem like, I mean, we'll be honest, science has dropped the ball when it comes to explaining these things. Um, yes. Yes. I, I don't know. I, I, I just don't know. Uh, you know, if we're ever going to get to the point where it's going to be so mundane like that. But if it does, I think that's not a bad thing in my eyes because then we'll have some more answers. <laughs> yes, exactly. And that'll give you an opportunity you know. to write a, 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 another blockbuster, as it were. <laughs> yes, right. um, but one, one of the predictions that somebody had made um, at the beginning of the digital age when everybody would have access to unlimited information and we could share unlimited information. Um, some of these mysteries would be solved, and some of these things would be de- demystified. Um, and with all these people with with these with these um, pocket cameras, um, UFO sightings would become a thing of the past because you wouldn't have these strange artifacts on on the film, as it were, or you know. Because people used to blame the medium for it. People used to blame the um, the emulsifiers and the, and the film media itself for causing these these apparitions or whatever. And now that we switch to digital media, if you take out take away the 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 Photoshop factor and you're just looking at the raw photographs um, and the photograph metadata. Well, now we're getting more. Now we're getting more ghostly images, more images of things in the paranormal. Um, and obviously, for you as a writer, that has to be that has to be a terrific thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, I I think so. You know, the 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 more the better when you think about that. Um, but even if you go back to like the eighteenth. 18- I think it was 1860s is when a book called Phantasms of the Living came out. So Phantasms of the Living was um, a book that had, uh, gosh, I I, I, know, I never remember, 600 or so spontaneous case examples in it. Um, and the researchers back then um, really went through every single case, contacted family, was pretty as thorough as you can be in those times to sort of validate that these experiences were happening. Um, so they accumulate 600 or so of these ghostly encounters and they do this really detailed qualitative sort of research on it and try to get as accurate as information as possible. Um, and it's, it's probably one of the seminal works in, in parapsychology. I mean, I, I referenced some of the stories in my book, it, you know, and this is, you know, I don't even know how long, how long that is, but over 150 years ago, uh, 
so all this stuff was happening then too and people were open about it and it was in books then and and you know um for, it it just baffles my mind that we can't come up with a little bit more information on this um and, and that's really what like we talked about before what motivates everyone in this field um uh, to, to kind of get out but with social media now you just type in ghost stories and you could be on the internet for seven eight hundred days just reading different ghost story after different ghost story and not read the same one more than twice yeah exactly you know um and, and so having access to all that information is is great um so I, hopefully i mean it helped for people like me it's great um but then that kind of just goes well there's all these encounters and there's all these people who are having this stuff and they're all uh, kind of dealing with the uh, the after effects of having a significant paranormal encounter um questioning their sanity or you know whatever the situation is so there's a, so there could be some distress related to all these n numerous accounts too so there's some positives and negatives to that sure like if it, if it wasn't for the fact that i was so exhausted that night and i had that that experience i may have never started my own uh website or my own my my own podcast one of the things that you also, and we talked about this earlier, is that we, we are, we're talking about the concept of like location, 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 location. What about artifacts, though? Are, what are your thoughts on haunted artifacts? I am. I, I'm not a big proponent of haunted artifacts. Um, I, uh, although I will be honest, I haven't really looked into them too much. I know it's becoming more and more popular with these haunted museums and traveling haunted museums. Um, I, I don't see how uh, I don't see how artifacts can be haunted. I, I like um, a piece of material could be haunted or or something like that. It's tough for me to wrap my head around something like that. Sure. That doesn't mean it doesn't it doesn't mean it doesn't happen. But for me, I just can't wrap my head around that. You know that a piece of paper could hold. Or, or that a doll or a cloth can hold um, some sort of energy or entity in sure, it. That, yeah. Um, it's hard for my head to wrap that for my for me to wrap that around my head. So I, I struggle with those types of things. I think those things have cool stories, and it's nice to come across something that's been in a a, a cool story or something like that. But it's really challenging and. Uh, I'll have to, uh, I, like I, I said before, whenever these things come up, I always have to look into them a little bit more. I'll have to look into some of that haunted artifacts that are out there. Um, but I can't really speak too intelligently about that. I, I, I mean, for me, I keep thinking to myself, here's something for Brandon to write about again. This is, this is a new, <laughs> this is, this, 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 this could be, because one of the things that I that I really enjoyed about your book is that, like, it's it's condensed, but it's not a bore. It it is exactly the right length, as I had said before. And now that you started this book, here's a guy who can look at a topic, look at it rationally, but not discount the paranormal aspect of it. Uh, which I thought was pretty interesting. It's okay to believe that it's real because we're dealing with the science that, like you had said, scientists have dropped the ball. This is like, this is still a, a wide open frontier for science to explore. Um, mm -hmm. So the thing is, is that one of the things you also kind of, you hinted about this, um, 
talking about things like now we're getting into different other science topics like quantum physics or quantum entanglements be just between you yeah. and me and all of our listeners. Do you think that there, there is a connection with all of this? Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's actually one of the big um, things to go over in the book, uh, you know, consciousness and entanglement is, uh, you know, it's becoming more and more popular nowadays. And I think that's a great thing. Um, so th this, the notion that consciousness is everywhere and not just sort of a subjective experience um, uh, is sort of the frontier of where we're going with this. So uh, the belief of universal collective consciousness, uh, this has kind of been going on for a long period of time. This is, I mean, that's essentially what Buddhism is. Um, so when we talk about these things, we kind of go all the way back to Carl Jung and his idea of the collective unconsciousness. But um, and Rupert Sheldrake has some thoughts on that as well, which are great about morphic fields and morphic resonance and how our minds are not confined to our brains. But entanglement or non-locality seems to be the one thing that sort of just rises to the top. And you know what 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 that essentially says is, and I'll just do a quick review that and some, some listeners may not know, but it's it's basically instantaneously knowing about another state when you're separated by extreme distances. So the the, the original thought was that non-locality was assumed to only really occur in quantum processes or very small subatomic levels but what they're finding out recently is that it happens more on a macro level as well so there's research that suggests that that entanglement may occur on a much larger level which is actually humans um for example if you if if two human brains were kind of similar to tesla coils then if you stimulate one brain by the uh, we'll say the appropriate electromagnetic stimuli that should evoke the same electromagnetic patterns within the other brain um, so research has really shown that this is kind of happening. Um, what some, uh, there's one out there where they put, uh, I think, um, a pair of siblings in two different rooms, um, uh, and they kind of put these complex magnetic fields around their parts of their brain. Um, and, and when they were doing it to one sibling in one room, it also occurred to the sibling in the other room. So there was some sort of entanglement or non-locality going on. Um, but if we're immersed in this shared magnetic field, uh, and let's say this magnetic field contains enough energy, just like Persinger said, to store every human experience out there, then this is kind of a cool thing. You know, this yeah. is saying that in, in theory, we have access to information from every brain past and present. And if consciousness is not located inside our brains and is more external, that gives validity to near-death experiences. It opens the door to telepathy. It opens the door to ghostly encounters. It opens the door to everything. You know, um, so if if consciousness, you know, near-death experiences is when, you know, you, a person dies and they feel like they could look down at the surgery table and they can tell everything that's going on. Um, so maybe consciousness leaves your body after you die. How long it hangs around, I don't know. I don't know if it hangs around 20 seconds, you know, 20 hours or two years. But consciousness may leave and may hang around for a little bit. Um, and that's sort of whatever happens after that, I don't know. But what research really says is that maybe our brains can synchronize and with the help of sort of the atmosphere, uh, information is transported or shared. And what's, what is shared? visual images, feelings, hunches, visions, and dreams. 
Um, and that's really the, the basis for a lot of my thoughts. Um, so it kind of comes down to telepathy being a big part of this as well, this idea that we can communicate at great distances. Um, and, and telepathy has always been sort of linked with ghosts. Um, you know, the, the telepathy is – when we think of telepathy, we think of, you know, you're, you're in one room. I'm in another room. You think of a number, and then I put I put my hand to my head, and I guess the number that's inside your head. You know, sure. you were thinking of the number nine. Um, but telepathy is 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 a lot more broad than that. Um, telepathy could be visual. It could be hearing sounds. It could be overwhelming feelings of fear, concern, or alarm. And actually, telepathic experiences are actually pretty close to ghostly experiences as well. So. Um, you know, these crisis apparitions that uh, I think we've talked about a little bit, um, this idea of deathbed visions, you know, you're sitting at home on a Tuesday night and all of a sudden your mom appears to you in your yes. bedroom and she says, I love you. Thanks for everything. And then you get a phone call saying she just died at that same time. Something, right? something ex almost exactly um, similar to that happened to my wife who she was woken up by um the vision of her of her uncle um sitting on the bed saying you know i'm sorry i'm leaving so quickly i just wanted to say goodbye take care of your mom and dad and and um this was my wife's my yeah my wife's father's older brother and then a couple of minutes later the phone rang and 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 uncle kenny was gone um yep and and you hear a lot of that in paranormal research and mm -hmm. it gets yeah. to a point where you hear too many of those stories and you just simply cannot discount it somebody had ex also yeah. had explained to me that um sort of like getting getting into sort of like the the, the realm of rod serling and the twilight zone as it were because um because uh, the thing is is that there's more than just you know the four dimensions there's the fifth dimension imagination and or as you can, you know, see things, experience things in your mind that you can't see in the physical realm. And somebody had once had mentioned this, that it was like, if you see the ghost of your dad, you're not really seeing the ghost of your dad. You're seeing your your dad in an alternate dimension, very similar to ours where he hasn't died yet. And somehow you made that connection where you could see him in a, in an alternate earth, very similar to ours with few minor details. And I'm thinking that's kind of, a, that's kind of a cool and happy and sad kind of theory at the same time. And I would like to be, able, yeah, that's, I'd like to be able to connect a lot to, going on in that there. I'd like to be able to connect to myself in, 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 in that other dimension and say, hey, dummy, you know, say something to your dad before he up and disappears on you like mine did. Um, yeah. And, I, and I, I do think that it was just like, geez, you know, that's, that's, that's an interesting theory. And it was just like, does it, but does it take away the magic of, of what's going on here? Is it, or is it, you know, is it, is it, could it, could it be better? I, I don't know. Um, and then there, you have other people who have experiences of, they set their keys down, they go about their business, they go back to where they put their keys down, like on the counter, and the keys are gone. They look everywhere for the keys. Yeah. 
and they go back and they see that the keys are back on the counter again. You can't explain that with the science that we have today. Or can you? No, no. no. I mean, that, there's just experiences that, and I, I say this a lot, and it's okay to say this. There are experiences that are just unexplainable that I wouldn't even know where to start. Um, so if, if you have things that are materializing and, and, or disappearing and then materializing, then that's something. I have no idea how that happens. Um, so the, the, these theories and these thoughts and everything that happens, it's, it's kind of – it's cool and everyone has a different perspective on it. Um, and I think that these – you mentioned these crisis apparitions that your wife had. I, I think those are, are – I think those are a good starting point to learn more about – paranormal experiences because it happens once it happens to a person who's not looking for it there's not that many variables associated with this so um you have one person one experience it could be verified um by you because i mean i'm sure you were in the house too when this whole thing happened um so that this the there's so much to go on things like that um that i think it's a great place to start and you know your, your wife had some sort of amazing telepathic connection you know her uncle sent her a telepathic distress signal which she picked up and it wasn't like it was picked up through telepathy not like it was communicated inside her brain but in the form of um, an apparition sitting on her bed um so that's just an amazing thing and you know it's 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 part of the whole idea that maybe it has to do with what's called the psi hypothesis that maybe ghosts aren't sort of these external beings, but sort of the workings of thought transference and telepathy, uh, communication at a distance between the living and the recently deceased. And, and, you know, you have person A who sends a telepathic distress signal, usually when they're going through a distressful event, which is picked up by person B, which would have been your wife, and it's interpreted as auditory, visual, and tactile, uh, or an impression or a feeling. And I, and I think those are sort of the basis or the foundation for a lot of ghostly encounters. And, and you know, there, there's a lot of similarities. Uh, that usually it always happens when someone's in distress or in a life-threatening um, situation, trauma or crisis, when these telepathic distress signals are essentially set or sent. So people are in accidents. People are dying. Uh, there's so much going on uh, psychologically and then some, so much going on internally, like bioenergetic wise, that it just causes this ability to sort of communicate through the environment. Uh, so there's all these complex processes that happen when, when those go on. You know, I, there's, a, there's a story that I, I talk about in the book that has nothing to do with death or dying, but there was um, a mother who had a a daughter in college and the mother was actually at the was writing her daughter a letter so this was a while ago but she was writing her daughter a letter and at that moment she had this severe pain in her right arm and she had to drop the pen and and scoot back from the desk moments later she got a call from the university saying that her daughter had burned her right arm with acid um so this is kind of a cool thing because this is a telepathic communication, but it, it's not something that happened like mom didn't get a visual apparition of her da daughter or a voice or anything like that. Somehow the daughter, when she burned herself, was so overwhelmed emotionally, physically, that somehow she communicated through the environment to her mom 
unconsciously the mom somehow manifested that telepathic distress signal in the physical symptoms that the daughter was encountering at that same time. There's so much going on there, right? <laughs> well, it, but but the thing is, is, is that we've reached the point in human history where we can actually shake off all the stigma and actually like dig in and say, hey, what's going on here? And if that and if that doesn't excite you, you're not paying attention. And I, yeah. I and your book yeah. is probably a great introduction to this new realm of science that I think that people people should really take a look at and take it seriously and and this guy's on to something um and and exactly like when we started the show you had said in the introduction you know put aside your preconceived notions and let's dig in and let's look at it from this new perspective because it, it could quite possibly lead to s some other discoveries. I'd like to be able to know, you know, why why is it that, how is it that I just know that my son is in trouble and he's in the principal's office and then the phone <laughs> rings? How does that That's happen? Right. <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. So let's, because, you know, we're, we're, we're at the end of the hour. Um, and I, I, I bet that must sound weird for, for you because, you know, you're a... Um, um, a therapist of some kind. I it must be weird for you to hear that. <laughs> We're at the end of the hour. Is there anything else? You, is there anything else you'd like to say before we go? Um, yeah, no, seriously. Exactly. That sounds let's, let's talk about where we can get your book. Sure. Sure. So, um, my book, uh, The Ghost Studies, New Perspective on the Origins of Paranormal Experiences. Uh, it's available on the internet, obviously Amazon. Um, but if you like to, like me, you like to actually go in the stores, Barnes & Noble, most Barnes & Nobles are carrying it as well. Um, and if if you're into you know listening to it on the on the um, audible.com or downloading it or buying a CD for your car, uh, you can also do that with it. So Amazon, Barnes & Noble, um, those are the, probably the two best places to get it. Um, if, if you kind of like, if you're interested in what I say and want to learn more about me and sort of my research, I do have a website, hauntedtheories.com where you can go and talk about, or you can go and, and kind of read up on what's going on with me. It's kind of like a blog. Uh, I talk about all the, uh, some theories and thoughts and, uh, it's, 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 I think it's a pretty cool place to get some uh, up-to-date research. And then I'm on Facebook and Twitter at hauntedtheories.com uh, or at haunted theories. Haunted theories was actually the, the original name for the book. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I never changed my Facebook page or Twitter. Well, page. don't, 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 <laughs> yeah, don't change I kinda it. I think it fits it. I, I, I like haunted theories was the title I came up with for the book. And I thought well, that's kind of a cool name, but, um, the ghost studies won out. Really? By who? Um, I think it was a consensus. Um, once they showed me the cover, I was like, yes, I love that book. Because um, I really like the cover of the book. And to me, it's I, I have a lot of ghost books, and I, I, like, our, I like the cover we have. It really like, is looks cool. Perfect. It's, it's, it's actually yeah. – it, it, um, if you go to the Metaphysical Connection, um, it's metaphysicalpodcast.com. And we also have a link to your book um, on on your show page, and I think I'm going to put it on the uh, on the main page as well. Um, but I'm going to I'm going to tell you something, and I'm not trying to shine you on. 
um, because you're because you're a guest of the show right now. I, I want you to keep writing, and I want you to I, I explore these other uh, these other theories, these other realms, because there's an aspect to your book that I think I think this is part one of something else. Something uh, I think there's a bigger picture here, and I think you're on to something. I I appreciate you saying that, and you know I'm I'm hoping that that people out there will just pick it up and give it a chance, you know, and you know you might not agree with some of my theories and thoughts in there, but um, I think it's a different way to look at the paranormal and ghostly encounters, and and uh, I I, I want to write more, I really do. Um, you know, f- for me, I have a lot of ideas and every time I go on shows or talk to people, I get 30 more ideas. So I don't <laughs> know if that's a good idea or, or a good thing or a bad thing. Um, so, cause I have all these directions I really want to go with, with, with research and, and thoughts and, uh, books and the whole nine yards. And I, I would really want to do more of this. And I love going to paranormal conventions, which is something that I I've recently started doing and meeting new people and coming on these shows and it's just been a it's just been a great experience um, since the book came out um, to to just be to just you know I I go through my whole life thinking I know everything about parapsychology and then the more people I talk to they they bring up stuff that I go I had no idea that that was even a thing yeah uh, so now you know like some of the stuff you're talking about today I'm like well now I got to research more about this and I got to you know so that's fascinating to me. Well, I'm going to tell you what, let me know when you're going to be in a paranormal conference in, in the, uh, uh, the Boston area. And um, I owe you a cup of coffee for giving me such, a, for such a, a great opportunity to do this podcast and, and for giving me like, a, like a, a solid day of, of just a really great read. And I definitely want to pick your brain about what you're working on next. So thank you so much for joining us. You can follow Brandon Masulo on Twitter via his handle at Haunted Theories and his webpage, hauntedtheories.com. You'll also find links to his book on the Metaphysical Connection homepage by going to metaphysicalpodcast.com and clicking on the link to episode 71. Special thanks once again to New Page Books, newpagebooks.com, where you can find more amazing and well-written books on the realm of the paranormal. Go to newpagebooks.com. This has been the Metaphysical Connection podcast from the Fedora Chronicles Network. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast via iTunes, Google Play, or Player FM. You can find our podcast via your Apple, Android, or Windows devices using those services and more. If your favorite podcast service or program doesn't feature us, let us know by shooting us an email via info at thefedorachronicles.com. That's also a great way to get in touch with Walt, Jim, and Eric, and let us know what you think of the podcast, as well as topic suggestions for a future show. If we use your suggestion, we'll send you a t-shirt or coffee mug. Just send along your size and preference with your email. You can be a part of the Metaphysical Connection between shows by joining us on our social media accounts. You can find us on Facebook by going to our Metaphysical Connection group and following us on Twitter at PhysicsLaxative. Most importantly, you can support the show by hitting the Patreon button on all of our show pages, metaphysicalpodcast.com. Patreons of the show get specials such as getting the podcast a day before the rest of the audience, heads up about future episodes, and other exclusives. 
Want some metaphysical connection swag of your own? Get your own damn metaphysical connection coffee mugs, t-shirts, keychains, and barbecue aprons at our Zazzle page. My house is full of them. Yours should be too. Find them at www.zazzle.com slash Fedora Chronicles. Don't forget to check out our show sponsor, the Trinity Whip Company. Traditionally made kangaroo whips, top quality craftsmanship, and form as well as function. Handcrafted by Blake Brunning. Find his products at www.trinitywhipco.com. So for Walt, Jim, and Eric, this is Carol Fisk thanking you for listening and signing off. Until next time, keep your chin up and your bra, excuse me, fedora on.